Hi, I'm Chris Hahn. I'm six foot one, 230 pounds. I'm an actor with stunnability and a suit performer. I've got 28 years in professional wrestling with the WWF slash WWE and would appreciate any consideration in your future projects. Uh, Chris, it's been, uh, I think it's been about a year and a half, maybe two years since we last talked. Um, yeah, it's been so, about, yeah, I would say right around two years. Uh, can you give us a recap for uh, people that uh, uh, that haven't seen the last interview we did? Tell us a little bit about yourself. Okay. On the last interview, um, well, my name is Chris Hahn, and uh, I'm an actor with stun abilities, and I was a professional wrestler for 28 years. Um, I'm a brain tumor survivor, so... My passion in my life is to be a performer in the uh, in the entertainment field. Um, the last time we talked, we talked about Axe Giant, which is the first movie that I've done, uh, Clown Town. Um, we talked a little bit about Inoperable, and then some of the other stuff I've done with like criminal activities with John Travolta and Miles Ahead, the Miles Davis story with uh, um, Don Cheadle, and I had a fight scene in that with Ewan McGregor. Um, but no, besides that, there's been a lot going on and I stay pretty busy and we'll go through that. Um, as I follow your lead, uh, tell us how the, how the film, uh, Axe Giant impacted your career. Uh, Axe Giant, which was directed by Gary Jones and produced by Jeff Miller was the first movie that I've ever done. And I was a suit performer in that where I wear the prosthetic, uh, 80 pound monster suit and um, I had six-inch lifts on my boots to make me a little larger than life. And then they superimposed me to be, like, 15 feet tall. Um, but uh, that was the first movie that I did, and that's when I fell in love with being an actor and a stunt performer. Uh, playing a heavy, uh, how, how do you do that successfully? How do you... Uh... How do you make that your thing? Is it just is it being physically imposing, or is there is there an art to it? Is there something that you have to that more that you have to bring to it than just physicality to do that successfully? You know, um, being a weightlifter, I'm, I've always been a big guy. I'm about 245 pounds, 240 pounds, and I'm about six foot two. So I've always been a larger than life kind of loud, boisterous person. Um, the professional wrestling taught me basically how to be methodical and be kind of slow and kind of creepy in the sense of, I've always played the bad guy. So when the ref wasn't looking, I'd sneak up behind the guy with a pair of brass knuckles and clock him. So being the bad guy, being the killer clown, or being the monster in the prosthetic suit, it's all about being slow, methodical, and creepy. So after I gave up the wrestling, um, it kind of blended into the wrestling because if you've ever watched guys like Ravishing Rick Rude or Ric Flair, they're not the guys that are going to be doing all the flips off the top rope. They're the kind of guys that are thinkers. They're the guys that are kind of methodical. They're the guys that will pull the brass knuckles out of the knee pad when the ref's not looking and clock the guy. They're the sneaky kind. And that's what kind of role I played in the wrestling world. And it kind of just led into being the creepy clown or the crazy orderly and inoperable or the axe giant where I had to wear an 80 pound prosthetic suit. I couldn't move faster than that if I wanted to. So um, it's kind of 
I guess you'd say second nature. It's kind of like riding a bike. I mean, I did the wrestling for 28 years, and I was always the slow, the creepy, the methodical kind of creature, and it just kind of led into the acting world. Uh, do you find that uh, some actors kind of get intimidated by you on set? <laughs> That's kind of a funny question. Yeah, because I am kind of loud, and I am kind of overbearing in a sense. Like, um, I'm working on a project right now called um, – Escape from Death Block 13, where I play the bully, the prison yard bully. And when I get into my character, I get amped. And um, I'm, I'm about giving 110%. I'm about selling out. I'm about throwing my character over the top. So, yeah, I can intimidate some of my, my lead characters or some of my, my cohorts by just being so animated on set yeah i guess you could say i i intimidate some people <laughs> uh I, I i can attest to that firsthand when i uh, met you on the uh set of inoperable uh because right. we're both kind of the same we're we're very we're very big alpha male guys sure. and yeah it was it was it was kind of odd to, to see someone that's that's just like me that kind of has that presence where uh when you were in character you're you're pretty terrifying even even to me uh, you have you you are intimidating, <laughs> just in person. Well, I, I don't know if that's a compliment. I like to think of that as being a compliment. Um, um, I'm always the kind of guy when I do an audition, I like to do my auditions live rather than tape, mm. because when I'm the kind I'm the kind of guy when I walk into the room, I kind of demand everybody's attention. My mm -hmm. presence is a little larger than life. I do amateur bodybuilding, so I try to stay as muscled up as I can. Am I the rock? In no means am I the rock. I kind of like to s simulate myself after like a Stone Cold Steve Austin character where I try to play the ruthless, the, the bad guy. I've got that mean, <laughs> that demeanor look on me. That's why being on the dating show Inoperable, I don't know if you are not Inoperable, but The Proposal, mm -hmm. I don't know if you watch that on ABC, but I sat there and I thought to myself, and I look at myself in the mirror, and I do not see myself on a national dating show. Um, <laughs> but I got on there. I had a good time. You know, I got myself out there. My goals, my goals on that show was to come across in three ways. Number one, to get national attention. Number two, to show people that I'm not this rough exterior. And number three, to show people that I had a sentimental side when I talk about my brain tumor and, and it brings up a lot of emotion and it mm -hmm. brings up a lot of, of terror because there was a time where my doctor told me that I may never be able to see again. I may never be able to hear again. My, I may abuse my arms. I may be a vegetable. You don't know when you operate on a major organ like that, what's going to happen. So um, I try to embrace every character that I play and I give them 110% and I just enjoy what I do because not only do I do the acting, I talk now as a motivational speaker to kids, and I try to tell them it's about the choices you make in life. It's about finding your passion and your desire and keeping up the hustle. And it's also about being humble and going out of your way and um, treating people like you want to be treated. So the brain tumor is probably the best thing that's ever happened to me because it really humbled me. And like I said, that with the acting – um, it's, I'm living my dream. I really am. I mean, I can't complain about anything that I'm doing, you know? 
I, I watched the proposal episode uh, specifically just to watch the one you were in. And sure. it was interesting to see this other side of you because I'm not used to seeing you with like this this big grin on your face, this very this this super this super positive happy attitude, and I was sure. like, wow, that's that's Chris, yeah. <laughs> really? and you just you had that uh, you had that good charisma. Uh, I appreciate you know, it. Everything like when you were when you were walking down when you were walking down the steps when they first introduced you and everything. It's right. it, it, very it was a very good look. Um, has it has it turned into any more? Um, any more opportunities for you? Since oh, yeah, it's turned out to a lot of opportunities. Um, I got my social life went up, which is kind of a good thing. <laughs> um, but it got me out there where now um, when I do auditions, I get feedback from casting directors and stuff to say, hey, you were the guy on the proposal. So it tells me that even though it's, it's, it's not the kind of show I would watch, but there's a lot of people out there that watch it. And mm -hmm. – um, so I, I got across as um, I got out there. I got one of my goals was uh, was conquered in the sense that I got a lot of exposure from it. My social media picked up huge. I mean, I went up to uh, the, within a week after that, I got about 400 new friends on Facebook. I got about um, almost 900 new friends on Twitter and Instagram. So it really helped my social media, which you know as well as I do that in the entertainment world, Social media is absolutely huge, you mm -hmm. know. Yeah, it can, it can make or break you. I mean, uh, one one good piece of exposure will shoot you up there, and then just one one tiny mistake and knock it all down. Oh sure, yeah. I used to back in the day, and my mom's probably going to smack me for saying this, but I used <laughs> to have the hot girl of the week picture, and I post some girl in a bikini on my website page, and I remember plain as day a director telling me that he didn't think that I was right for the part because of what I put on my Facebook page. Mm -hmm. So I lost out on a gig because I used to put bikini pictures of the hot chick of the week on my, so now my mom runs and pretty much runs my social media. <laughs> <laughs> she kind of took that away. And I'm 47 years old, but I tell you what, my mom, which I like to give her a shout out, Mary Ann Carrick, She's kind of like the backbone of my career. She supports me in everything I do. She puts out – I got a manager named Carlos out in L.A., and he's phenomenal too. And between the support team that I have, between my mom, Carlos, and a lady by the name of Karen Berry, who's Carlos's assistant in Atlanta, um, we're hustling, and we're getting out there, and we're putting my stuff out there. I had an audition for the new TV show The Purge. I had an audition and some interest in Better Call Saul. Um I just got picked up on a movie that's going to shoot in Kentucky called The Wicked Ones, and it's a pretty good supporting role in it, uh, and that was just announced today. Um, like I said, I'm working on another Gary Jones movie called uh, Escape from Death Block 13 with a character by the name of Robert Kovacs, and um, phenomenal. We've already shot the first half of it. We're going to shoot the second half in about another month, and um, I'm actually getting to do stunts, and I'm actually picking up in the sense of acting a lot of dialogue, which is new for me because I've always been based on my presence, my presence, my presence, my presence. Now I'm getting um, a lot of roles where I have to have, I have a lot of dialogue and I'm not the smartest guy in the world by any means. So it takes a lot of studying. So it's, it's a new challenge for me and I'm always up for a new challenge. Uh, 
let's let's talk a little bit more about your experience uh going back sure. to um uh the miles davis uh pick sure. uh, what was your experience like on that with working next to uh don Cheadle and uh you well, mcgregor don Cheadle was the director and what a phenomenal individual and i had i played a character by the name of ralph ralph was ewan mcgregor in the movie's ex uh, ex-wife's boyfriend and um Ewan, or Ewan McGregor hadn't been paying his alimony. So I see him in a grocery store one day, and I follow him out, and he sees my wife, my, my girlfriend, which is his ex-wife, in the car, and he goes up and he starts talking to her, and I go up, tap him on the shoulder. When he turns around, I punch him in the mouth, knock him to the ground, take the money out of his pocket, I throw it to her, and I get in the car, and I spin off. Now, was it a huge scene? No, but I got to work hand-in-hand hand with Ewan McGregor. I got to work hand-in-hand with Don Cheadle, which is an experience of a lifetime. You know, I mean, those two guys are A-less actors. I got to knock out Obi-Wan Kenobi, you know. (laughs) So I think that's pretty cool, you know. (laughs) (laughs) Was was Ewan McGregor, like, so very polite through the whole thing? Very very much so. (laughs) One of the most professional guys. I I told him, I said, now, when you turn around, I don't want you to step towards me because I'm going to throw a punch. And when I throw the punch... I don't want to hit you because when I throw a punch, I throw a punch and I don't want to break your jaw. And he's not the biggest guy in the world, mm-hmm. you know? So but we, we went over and um, we went over the rehearsal and worked on it. And you know what? It, it only took three takes. And so it was pretty good. We watched it on the playback. Don Cheetah was happy, gave me a hug, said, you know what? That's great. Um, I actually saw them in the lobby of the hotel we were staying in. And I got to sit down and shoot the crap with you and McGregor and Don Cheadle for about an hour. So it was pretty. It was a humbling experience. Uh, the since this kind of plays hand in hand with you being an actor and also a stunt person, what are the what are the t- trials and tribulations of being a stuntman? I'm, I'm sure it's it's got to be a harsh life. Well, the older that you get, I realize that your body doesn't heal like it used to when I was 21. Mm-hmm. Um. The nice thing about doing the stunt work is, is I'm not a big guy on being on set for 20 days in a row. I like to go do my thing and get out. Being a stunt guy, you go in for a day or two and then you're done. Or you go in for an afternoon and then you're done, which is cool. I like that. Um, does it, do you get paid a lot more? You get paid a lot more if I'm on set for 20 days. But I get homesick. You know, I got, I got a, a, a cat who's my buddy. His name's Allie. He's an abused cat that I, that it's a rescue cat that I take care of. I hate to leave him alone too long. I, it sounds kind of stupid. Here's a big tough guy and he's got a little cat, you know. But um, I enjoy a, a lot of alone time. I think the wrestling world really hurt me when it comes to crowds. Um, I like to be alone. I like my downtime. I like to uh, watch a lot of TV. I like to watch. When I watch TV now, I watch acting. I don't watch television. I watch the way the actors they create their characters. And so then that's what I try to do. The nice thing about most of the characters that I get, the director or the producers give me the range to create my character, which is pretty cool. You know, I mean, on the, uh, on the one movie, um, the uh, Escape from Death Block 13, I got to create my character and it's kind of a loud mouth, you know, bully, whatever. And, it felt just like I was in the wrestling world. So, I mean, I enjoy that because it comes so easy to me. I'm not that I'm a bully, 
But in the wrestling world, I played the loudmouth, bully kind of character. And you know what? That's the kind of characters I've been playing in movies, which is good because I understand that character. Um, two of the movies that, that I first got introduced to you uh, on was uh, Inoperable and Clown Town. Uh, sure. What can you tell me about those? Those uh, I have to I have to state this because I saw Jeff say something on Facebook about not getting recognition. Uh, Jeff Miller is uh, the executive producer, I believe, of yes. both of those films. And so, yes. executive producer Jeff Miller is the one that introduced me to you. So I just want to make right. sure that he knew that he was getting the recognition he needed because it kind of seems to be the I thing that. I saw that too on Facebook, right? I think it was, <laughs> he's got a movie coming out called The Ouija House, which looks phenomenal. But am I? Justin Hawks and that, and uh, but no, Jeff Miller always seems to find something in his movies for me, which is great. Mm. Um, me and Jeff have a great relationship. I love Jeff to death. Um, he introduced me to Chris Chapman, who shot um, Inoperable, and now me and Chris are really good friends. Um, Gary Jones is the one that introduced me to Jeff Miller. So it's kind of like a Rob Zombie kind of thing. If you ever seen <laughs> Rob Zombie movies. He uses a lot of the same cast and crew in all his movies. Same thing with Jeff Miller. Jeff Miller's got a great working relationship with all the people that he uses. So why not keep that base in there? Because we all know how to work with each other. And we're all comfortable with each other. The worst thing about going to a brand new set when you really don't know anybody is introducing yourself and getting to meet. When I work on a Jeff Miller movie, I know Katie Keene. I know Laura Compton. Or, yeah, Laura Compton. I know Jeff Denton. I know um, Tom Nagel. I know Brian Nagel. We all seem to work together very well. So I know their timing. They know my timing. Um, and it just makes for a better movie. And it's, it's such more relaxed atmosphere. And there's not as many takes because we know how to feed off each other. Mm-hmm. Uh, what can you tell us about the, the newer uh, Jeff Miller films that you're working on, like uh, Escape from Death Block 13? Jeff is a really, really big horror guy. Um, and, and now he's trying to get into a little more action stuff. Uh, there's this prison movie, which I really can't go into too much detail on it, mm -hmm. but um, it's based where they shot Shawshank here in Mansfield, which is my hometown. So it makes it kind of nice. And they gave me the responsibility of casting. They gave me the responsibility of finding lodging for the people from out of town. I hooked them up with the catering. Um, and then I'm also doing and helping out on some of the investments. So I am an associate producer, which I've never done before. They gave me the opportunity to see what it's like on the other side of the camera, which is cool because I've always been told by my stunt guy, Rick Fike, who we'll talk about a little bit later. He's a phenomenal guy himself. Um, and I was told by Gary Jones, and I was told by a lot of the directors and producers, the more bullets you have in your chamber, the better off as an actor you're going to be because you're going to understand behind the camera, in front of the camera, what goes on, how hard people have to work. So you should work that much harder to make the project that much better. Uh what what can you what can you tell us about Escape from Deathlock Thirteen without without spoiling it and without making Jeff mad? What is what is the premise overall of the film? Uh, the the premise of Escape Block Thirteen is about a prison yard bully and a new gentleman that comes into the prison and they have their controversy. Um, 
they become friends and let the chaos begin. Um, it's about <laughs> all I can really get into it. Robert Kovacs, who looks exactly like Charles Bronson, mm-hmm. plays my counterpart. I brought in some guys from the ASWA wrestling promotion here in Mansfield to do a lot of the stunt work because we've got a prison yard fight scene. We've got some fight scenes and stuff. And um, it's it's an action-packed, nonstop, in-your-face, bust-em-out prison movie. And like I said, it's going to be phenomenal. Gary Jones shoots a low-budget movie and makes it look like a $50 million movie. Just the cinematographer... His name's Ken, uh, oh gosh, I forget how to spell his last name. He was the cinematographer in Clown Town. He's phenomenal. I've seen some of the footage already. It looks awesome. And it's probably going to come out probably in April. We still have a little bit more of it to shoot. Um, but it's going to be pretty good. And like I said, between Gary Jones and Jeff Miller, and we all work hand in hand, and we all try to make the best product that we can make, you know? Uh, are you going to be working with Kovacs again on another future project? We'd like to. Um, there's been some talk about a future project, which I really don't know anything about, so I hate to open up my mouth and say something that I don't know anything about. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, he's a phenomenal guy. He lives in Hungary, and he speaks very little English. Mm-hmm. But me and him, he stayed with me while he was here in town, and he's kind of like um, – a brother from another mother. I mean, he's <laughs> he we, we hit it off perfect. Uh, one of the other movies that uh, is on your slate is uh, Embrace the Twilight. What can you tell me about that? Right, Embrace the Twilight is a Maggie Shea, um, New York Times best-selling book, and it's uh, directed and produced by Carlos Dunn. Carlos is a director from Mexico. They shot half of it in Mexico. And then they shot the other half here in Akron, Ohio. Now, my character, I play a character by the name of Frank Styles. Frank Styles is a loud mouth, foul mouth, SOB, that goes out, hunts vampires. He drains the blood out of them and puts it into his body because he wants internal life. Um, and I think there's six or seven books based on this, on this, these best-selling books. So there's probably three or four different movies in the future. Um, but Frank Styles is kind of crazy. He's kind of out there. He's kind of loud. He's kind of, there's a lot of fighting going on. I'm just, mm-hmm. I take charge. I do what I want. I say what I want. And nobody gets in my way. <laughs> uh, when, when can we look for uh, that to be out? That should come out probably in January. Carlos Dunn, who's a buddy of mine, is uh, in a treatment center in Atlanta. He's got some cancer. He's got some bad issues going on. Mm -hmm. And I just want to wish him the best, and my prayers are with you, Carlos. But uh, once he gets out and gets back on the roll, the guy's motivated, and he's just nonstop. Uh the the next one i don't know if it's the same if it's the same title as the wicked ones but there's extremely wicked shocking evil and vile that is, it... is a movie called that's what it's called but it's zach efron zach efron ah. plays ted bundy ted bundy um it's based on the ted bundy story and it was shot in cincinnati and in kentucky um and basically what it is is i play a sheriff marshal 
that gets to wrestle Zach Efron because he does his own stunts to the ground. I handcuff him and I drag him into the courthouse. Now, everybody, this is, I always tell everybody this, they're like, you know, you always play the bad guy. When are you ever going to be the good guy and have a love scene? <laughs> well, I got to wrestle Zach Efron to the ground. So that's kind of like a love scene if you ask most people. <laughs> um, uh, how, uh, since it's a Bundy movie, Bundy, uh, for, for those that aren't aware, uh, Bundy was a serial killer who killed right. many, many right. young women all across um, the nation and then finally got caught in, uh, his last killing spree was in Florida. Uh, exactly. By, um, uh, up in the uh, Panhandle, uh, or up in uh, northern Florida. Uh, right. How how well does Zac Efron resemble the real oh, Ted it's, Bundy? It's, it's freaky because when I in my scene where he's in the courtroom and he's on the witness stand, just the smear, the smirks, and the in the eyes and stuff is really freaky. And if you ever seen, if you've seen the cast that's going to be in that, it's phenomenal. Um, Donovan, who was in Burn Notice. You remember the TV show Burn Notice? Yes. He plays the defense attorney. Um, criminy. Um, the lead singer of Metallica, Hatfield. He plays mm -hmm. the sheriff. He plays the sheriff deputy. Um, <laughs> Con that was in. Uh, oh, criminy. He was in Con Air. He was the uh, leader of the prison guys. What was his name? Oh, gosh. He plays the judge. Um, the boy that was in The Sixth Sense with Bruce Willis, he's in it. Um, mm -hmm. The one girl from the Twilight movie, she's in it. I mean, it's a stunning cast. It's And then Chris Hong. You know, whatever. <laughs> you can't get any better than that. <laughs> uh, it, it seems like an unfair match, you versus Zac Efron. But, uh, is Zac Efron pretty, pretty buff? Does he kind of uh, give you oh, a bit of a run for your money? He's in shape. The guy's in phenomenal shape. Um, but it was cool because we were on set and he's just sitting there and I went up and I introduced myself and I said, Hey, uh, we got a mutual friend. And he goes, Oh yeah. Who's that? I said, Dwayne Johnson, because I used to work with Dwayne Johnson back when I was in the WWF. Now was mm -hmm. I buddies with him? No, but I knew him. He knew me, you know, when we passed each other in the hallway, we'd, we'd say, Hey, what's going on? Whatever. From that point on, Zach Efron was my buddy. I mean, he, me and him, he warmed up to me pretty good. I got to eat lunch with him, which was kind of crazy because we were talking about our stunt scene and all the other actors from Cincinnati and Kentucky that I know, they're like, how did you get to eat lunch with Zach Efron? And I'm like, well, he wanted to talk about the stunt scene. Basically, all we talked about was wrestling because he's a huge wrestling fan. Mm -hmm. So um, I got to be, it was it was pretty surreal because he's an A-list actor. That, that's, mm -hmm. He's like top notch, you know? So, I mean, I got to spend an hour just shooting the crap with Zac Efron. So it was pretty cool. It really was. Uh, the uh, the last segment of uh, this, I wanted to talk about the, the proposal itself. Uh, I don't know sure. how much you can you can actually talk about it. I can talk about it all. My episode's been on. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, how did how did you how did you first find out about the casting for it, and what was the casting process for this? Okay. Now my mom saw an ad for it and submitted me for it. Now, the crazy thing about it is, if I'm not mistaken, I know somebody was, but I think the executive producer was affiliated with WCW Wrestling back in the day. And he knew me and recognized my name when he saw it on the submittance list. 
Mm-hmm. And so I had to do a 53-page background check. <laughs> I had to get an STD check. I had to get blood work. I had to get an HIV check. And then I went through six different um, inter- Skype interviews with the director, all four of the ABC casting producers, my, the talent lady that was in charge of bringing the talent in, and then um, I don't know who the other guy was, but I had to. But it was it was grueling. It took three months to get on that show. Was it worth it? Yeah, because I got national exposure. Was I looking for love? Absolutely not. I love my life, and I just I can't have somebody in my life that is going to slow me down. Because right now, mm-hmm. I got things going, and I'm a hustling, and I'm going to the gym, and I'm eating right, and I'm training, and like Hulk Hogan says, I'm taking my vitamins and saying my prayers. But I'm going to Cleveland to audition for something, and then the next day I'll drive to Cincinnati and audition for something, and then I'll go to Pittsburgh and I'll work on something. And then I fly to Atlanta, and I hit that up. And then I go out to L.A. And the last thing I need is someone to say, you need to spend time with me. Yeah, do I miss having somebody in my life? Yeah, I really do. But right now, my my biological clock is ticking. I don't have much more time to do the acting and the stunt work before the stunt work starts to peter its way out. Mm -hmm. So I just got to keep hustling. I got to keep staying in shape. And I got to keep doing what I'm doing, you know. Uh, did you uh, did you put yourself on any any more of an extreme regimen to get even more in shape? Because it, it was kind of like a showcase of, of men's bodies in that episode. Well, you know what the thing about it was is a month before that I did the Greater Cleveland Ohio Bodybuilding Championships. Mm-hmm. Now, am I a bodybuilder? No, not at all. I do them to keep me in shape for what I do in the acting and stunt world. I'm still. Even though I was in pretty good shape, I was still a little hesitant about taking my shirt off. Because you know how? You're your own worst critic. I can mm-hmm. point out every little problem that I've got on my body. And I didn't need the whole world to see that. So I kind of wore a sleeveless shirt to kind of show off my size, but kind of tease them a little bit. Knowing that I am in shape, but I'm not going to let you see the whole show. You know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? Was it uh, was a little bit um, intimidating to be in front of that whole yes. cast of people or that whole yeah. studio audience? Was it? Yeah, that was a little kind of, There was about hundred, I'd say, hundred and fifty people in the studio audience, mm-hmm. and you don't know who the girl is. Yeah, absolutely. They don't tell you. They keep her secluded. Da, da, da. So you really don't know who's behind that. And you got to open yourself up, and you got to tell people. You got to tell some stranger your deepest, darkest emotions and feelings and all this and that. And then if you're picked to be one of the two, I'm, I'm old school. I don't know about you, but I'm old school. I have a hard time believing that you can meet somebody in five minutes, tell them you want to marry them. Mm-hmm. You know? Now, I, obviously you can say my proposal to you is I'm proposing that I'm getting the heck out of here. But you don't want to look like an idiot on television. So I would have probably proposed more of a friendship and Mm -hmm. see where this goes rather than get down on a knee and say, will you marry me? Because once you say that, you're kind of stuck, you know? Mm -hmm. So it's, it it seemed like, uh, 
it was it was a little bit of a, a weird thing to look at the the selection of men they had because it didn't seem like they were they were going for a type. It seemed like they just kind of picked and choose like random sorts of guys. To... Well, it was crazy because all those guys looked like marathon runners, and then you got the guy <laughs> in the, from France who wore the little speedo. And I'm saying, well, buddy, you got a big set there because there's no way that I'd go out in a little speedo like that. But and then you got me that comes out. I'm kind of like. Andre the Giant compared to most of those guys, mm-hmm. and um, but like I said, it was a group, a good group of guys. Everybody got along really well. Um, we had a little after party afterwards, and we kind of said our goodbyes. I stay in touch with two of them. Uh, they're on my Instagram. They're pretty good guys. Um, but like I said, it's kind of I just wanted to get passed into the bathing suit round so I could actually talk. When I was the last <laughs> four, and she had one more to choose. I was sweating like you couldn't believe. Um, <laughs> but I got accomplished what I wanted to get accomplished. Um, reality television is crazy. Yeah, I've, I've, all... I've starred in my own episode of it, so I know. <laughs> it's, it's crazy. And um, they've got their people that they want to win, you know? So uh, Yeah, there's, it, it's still entertainment at the end of the sure day. Is. Uh, I, I can't really speak much to it because my NDA is still active for sure. however long A&E is, uh, <laughs> is in business. So, but sure. yeah, you have to, you have to manufacture some things or else it's not entertainment because it could be bland. If you, if you don't have cer- if you don't have conflicts or you don't have certain things happen, people will just tune out if there's nothing interesting. See, that's what, that's the one thing I was worried about. I was worried about my size and my look. They come up and they say, hey, we'll put an extra $1,000 in your paycheck if you start controversy. That's, see, once you start controversy, then directors and producers and stuff say, oh, that guy might be a problem. Mm-hmm. Even though it's reality television and most of those guys know that it's mostly of a, a lot of it's scripted and stuff, um, I still don't want to get the, the reputation of being an ass. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, because then perception turns into reality, and that's just right. going to harm you in the end. Right. Uh, for up-and-coming actors, uh, even even up-and-coming wrestlers, what would be your advice to those people that are looking to break into these different uh, s- subsections of the entertainment industry? Josh Brolin said it first. He said it best. He he uh, never got a, He auditioned 37 times before he got his first role. I was pretty lucky. I never auditioned. I had a role offered to me, which I'm pretty. I was pretty lucky. But it's all about if you if you have a dream and you want to pursue that dream, you know what? You gotta sacrifice. There's certain times like every Saturday mo- Sunday morning, I'll go to the gym, and while my buddies are sleeping, they go out Saturday night. I'll go to I'll go to the gym early in the morning, and then I get up and I drive about a half an hour to my secret location and I do I run up and down the reservoir stairs which are like 75 stairs up and down and I do an hour and a half of that to stay in shape and then I go home and I do some headshot stuff and all that stuff why these guys are whether at the pool or why they're out with their girlfriends or whatever I get up every morning at five o'clock and I go to the rock which I watch a lot of his motivational stuff he says it the best he says when you get up at 4 o'clock in the morning and you think you're getting something unaccomplished, there's somebody up at 3.30 in the morning that wants it just as bad as you do. So I always stay motivated and I always hustle 
and I always try to pursue, and I always try to stay positive because um, being negative gets you nowhere, you know? So yeah. what I tell young people is if you want to be a doctor, if you want to be an actor, if you want to be an NFL football player, if you want to be a basketball player, practice, 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 practice. Don't let people laugh at you. Because I remember when I first got into the wrestling, all my buddies thought it was funny that I was going to get beat up and stuff. And then I'm in the WWF wrestling, The Undertaker. Did I get beat up by The Undertaker? Yeah, I got my butt kicked. But I'm on national television on a primetime Monday night, and I'm making decent money, and I'm pursuing my dream. Mm -hmm. So you just got to buckle down. You got to stay motivated. You got to stay in shape, eat right, get enough sleep, you know, do all the all the things that you've been taught all your life and just stay positive and be humble. You know, uh, I think, I don't think I've ever told you this before. Um, my, uh, my best friend and I were going to be pro wrestlers, uh, just out of high school. And we went to a uh, dangerous Dan Spivey's wrestling school and took nice. our first, I took our first, Dan Spivey. <laughs> we took our first bumps, our real bumps. And we decided nice. that, uh, we are, we are not, we are not made for this industry. So <laughs> it's, it's definitely hard I, on I your wrestled body. I Dan Spivey down in, uh, WCW when he was part of the skyscrapers. It was Sid Vicious, mm -hmm. Mark Calloway, who's the undertaker and Dan Spivey. They're all seven foot and they kicked my butt. That Dan Spivey was a big dude. Man. Big dude. <laughs> So I don't know how you can do that like 350 days a year taking, no, taking I don't bumps either. like that. So You know, when I wrestled, it was maybe two or three times a month. Mm -hmm. When I watch these WWF guys and these w or WWE and this TNN and they're on the road four days out of the seven days of a week and they're wrestling every night, you can have that, you know. I'm beat up <laughs> as it is. I got a bad shoulder. I got a bad hip. Um, but you can have that because – when you get old and arthritis starts to kick in, you can really feel it. Mm -hmm. You really can. Uh, the the biggest the biggest thing of this whole interview is where can people find you on social media? Okay, Chris Hahn, entertainer, actor with stunt abilities. That's my Facebook page. Um, on Twitter, it's Chris Hahn actor, and on Instagram, it's Christian three seven one. And I got a few things I like to plug if you don't mind. Go right ahead. Okay. September 14th, I have a very small part in a movie called White Boy Rick with Matthew McConaughey. Uh, that's September 14th. September 28th, I play a prison guard in a movie called um, Old Man with a Gun. Now, the cool thing about that, it's Robert Redford's last movie. In the last scene of the movie where he's being let go of the, out of the prison... I'm the police officer or the security guard that's walking him down the hall. So the last time you'll ever see Robert Redford on the big screen, I'm in the scene. So that's pretty cool. <laughs> I, I, I kind of find that pretty surreal because Robert Redford's a legend. Um, October or November 6th, I'm in episode 6 of House of Cards. I play a Secret Service agent. Um, and then... The Zac Efron movie should probably come out in January, um, and that's going to be a big nation. These are all big national screen, big movies that are coming out. And then Donnie Brook with Frank Grillo and Chris Browning from uh, Sons of Anarchy. Uh, it's about bare-knuckle brawl fighting, and I play 
Chris Browning's bodyguard who runs the Donnie Brook. So those are a few things that I've got coming out. I've got a big movie in L.A. that I really can't say anything about because I don't want to ruin my chances. But I, you'll be the first one, Mike, that I let <laughs> you know once I book the part. Um, and then I got the uh, Escape from Death Block uh, 13, which uh, will probably be out in April. And then next April, Wicked the Wicked Ones, which uh, starts shooting in April of next year. And I got a few other logs in the fire. There was a Bruce Willis movie coming to Cleveland called Wake. Um, I may get an audition in that, but I'd like to also give a few shout outs if I could. I'd yeah, like to give sure a shout out to my stunt coordinator, Rick Fike. He lives in Madison, Ohio, and he's a phenomenal guy. And I got a workshop this week, which I'm looking forward to seeing him. Um, I'd like to give a shout out to my, to Look Now Management which is my, my, my agent Carlos and his partner Karen Berry, phenomenal people, and they hustle for me 110%. I'd like to give a shout-out to Jeff Miller because Jeff <laughs> Miller does me right all the time, and I really appreciate Jeff Miller. Gary Jones, who's, a, who's one of my – I would say Gary Jones is my mentor because whenever I have an issue, I always give Gary a call, and he always leads me in the right path. I'd like to say hey to Chris Chapman. Um, my buddy Storm and Norman out of Cleveland. And last but not least, my mom, Marianne Carey. She's the backbone of my career, and she's my biggest supporter, and I love her with all my heart. Well, thank you very much, Chris. I appreciate you uh, sitting down with me again. Uh, we, we'll have to do this more often because every two years, you've got too much going on for us to spread this I'm out over at two years. So, <laughs> so Whenever thank you, you want, I'm always available to you. You took a chance on me in the beginning, and you, you when I was on an opera bowl, you gave me a nice interview down there. And you're a friend, a good friend, and anything, anytime you need something or you want to know what's going on, feel free to give me a holler. I'll, I'll give you all the information that I know. Perfect. Thanks again, Chris, and uh, and best of luck to you, and I, I can't wait to see more of you on my TV. I appreciate it. You have a good night. <laughs> you too. Bye-bye. Uh-huh.